Hey, thank you for coming back and joining us for part two of segment four of our series, There is a Sound. Are you the sound or just noise? We are joined today um, by Hassan Purdy, David Robinson, Devin Eberhardt, and Rashad Brown. I am Teresa Lyon Smith, the founder and director of Lower Light on the Hill and Lower Live. And man, segment one was just so full so filling um and so we're going to jump right in for segment two we we are simply hearing the heart and the mindset um and the thoughts from what you know america and the world foolishly have um falsely deemed you know these these kings as some noise and and so we're finding out sitting here tonight that they we knew it but we're hearing it from their mouth and quite frankly, they've got it all wrong, all wrong. And so thank you for joining us. Uh, we're going to jump right back in and we're going to start this portion of our segment. We ended with um, talking on the point of being an example um, to others and, and specifically like to, our, to your children. Um, but then we heard from Rashad who uh, is an officer and he was saying how he was unfortunate enough to have that example. So he had to self teach a lot of things and a lot of it was trial and error. And so I want to uh, just pick right back up and I want to ask uh, a question because we were talking about identity and um, one of the statements that was made was uh, that black men are not taught to really be honest. Um, and so the question that I want to ask is, David had mentioned some things. Um, I'm just so full right now. David had mentioned a statement earlier when we were talking about the noise. And he made a statement that says some of, some of us have been the noise. Um, and so... What I want to start this segment out by asking is, do you think, or what, what would be helpful to transition from the noise to being a sound, and an effective sound? Um, Hassan mentioned, uh, made a statement earlier about all of these men have just spoken um, profoundly regarding really being the both sides of the fence, the noise and the sound, um, and and the missing example. And so, how how do you? We've heard some of the thoughts about how you get attracted to become the noise. How do you transition? How do you even begin to change the mind? Uh, to know that there there is another sound from the noise. I, I believe it's a mix of what Dev and Hassan had to say. Um, Dev was speaking on loving yourself. And you can't, first of all, you gotta know who you are. And so you gotta know your purpose to begin to really love yourself. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? You gotta know what you're put here for outside of what you do. Sort of like what you said, um, finding your niche, I believe niche equals purpose. You know what I mean? Finding what's, what you're put here for, not just about money, because you can make all the money at a job 
in the world and not be happy and filled. You know what I mean? And then it's like Hassan was saying, um, basically being an example for the next generation. You know, everything that we was taught that we see is wrong, we have to be the opposite of that for the next generation to come. So, you know what I mean? Like showing your sons, they're at an age now, they're looking at everything you do now. I think they call sons too. I think like having groups and discussions is good because today, day and age, everything is about the trend. So like my man said, when you see the cars and the flashiness, that's what you want to seek to. So we come together as black men and see like this trend is cool. This is this is cool. It's cool to be on a straight straight road. I think more people would tend to like it, but it's just the fact that people scared to voice their opinion. Mm -hmm. So everybody go to what's trendy. We gotta make this cool, this trendy. I think once we come together and all solid men could show like this is where it's at, then more people will come along because everybody just wanna ride the wave of what's what they think is hot. Connected something. Connected something. Yeah. And this is cool. So we got to keep showing the youth and everybody it's cool to express yourself. It's cool to be doing the right thing. And I think we can get more people to be the sound when we make it look cool. So then I want to ask a question. What hurts you? Uh, There's a lot of things. But what, what hurts me is, 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 you know, being judgmental when you don't know somebody. You know, you judge them because of the color of their skin before they open their mouth or because they ain't got expensive clothes on. So just what hurts me is just judge, judge me before I can even show you who I am. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, too, like, I'm a personal fitness trainer as well. I'm a cop. So certain people, when they find out I'm a cop, they looking at me sideways and stuff like that. And it's like, Dad know me as a child when we grew up together, so he know the type of guy I am. So somebody that don't know me, it's like, you judge me because I got this blue uniform on, too, on the other side. But then if you didn't know me, you'd be shaking my hand. So the thing that irritates is the judge. You should be judged off your character, uh, how you really treat people, not just from your job or or whatever the stature is or your clothes you wear. You should be judged of how you act. Can I ask this brother a question? Yes, yeah. Okay, as a African-American cop, right? It's tough, you call it black and blue. Yeah, and, and see, I know a lot of, of our, you know, our people anger with cops, especially with, I'm going to say black cops, is like you, my question to you is, I know you probably, how long have you been a cop? 10 years. So I know wow. you've seen a lot. So do you take the stand yeah. when you see wrong? Or do you like, because that's the continual argument and I think that Absolutely. people need to, like brothers like you, you know, I was excited when I found out that you was going to be because that's a question that needs to be answered, and a lot of a lot of us need to see, you know what I mean, and hear what a brother like you have to say. See what happens is too, and a lot of the things is glorified too. So it's corruption everywhere. You know, you got bad teachers molesting kids, and if that teacher bad, it's oh so and so is bad. You got doctors who who doing fraudulent things, and it's that doctor bad. But when you got one cop, it's like yo. You get all the police, and that's not true. Mm -hmm. So the thing about it is, it's glorified that some cops is corrupt and everything. But believe it or not, and I'm speaking from the heart, because I grew up in the hood, so I know. Like I said, I even lost my mother. Mm -hmm. A lot of that don't go on around you. It, it's, it can, but a lot of that don't. But it just when it's glorified, it's a big magnitude, mm -hmm. mag, um, 
a light right on it. Right. But pretty much like, if I see it, it would get checked, it would get addressed. Okay. And I know a lot of people that actually will address it too. Okay. But it's a lot of clickish, and that's the bad thing too. So pretty much if you, you know, you really like a, a cop that's doing some, some funny stuff too, it's not to go across your eyes because you just separate yourself from that person. Right. It's almost like the streets. Like, you know, you got that guy that's really doing some bad stuff and he could jeopardize your freedom. You tend to stay away from him. Right. So, like, you do take the stand, but a lot of times they get dismissed because you tend just to stay away from that person. And, and okay, and I, is it okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, and another part of that question is, how many cops that are, like, you know, that's black or whatever that you know, um, honestly steps back because of fear. Is it a lot of us who actually like, look, I'm not even going to say anything about what I see or even, or even I, I may even help that. Like, I, I know a lot of, I've been done dirty. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? In my years, growing up, you know, on Master Street, I, I was done dirty by a lot of cops that right. look like me. You know what I'm right. saying? I knew their names, they knew mine, and they catch you and they do what they do. Mm -hmm. So, my thing is a lot of, is it a lot of them that you know that are stand up. Is it more that are stand up than the cowards, or is there more cowards than the stand up? You, you got you got a lot of cowards. You got cowards in real, real but, but it is it is some stand up guys. Okay. And believe it or not, like I said, it's the clickish. The stand up guys stay away from the cowards. Okay. Okay. So pretty right. much it like like you take the stand if you if if you around it, but pretty much like you just let them guys just go their way, you go your way. Like I can control within my circle. I can't control the whole department. Right. You know, but you do got a lot of stand-up guys. And even prior to getting on the force, like I said, I was from the streets. I just happened to not get locked up or anything, right? But I went through the same trials and errors that everybody right. else went through. Right. Same thing and everything. And right? I think that'd be the hurtful thing, man. Because a lot of nowadays you see a lot of cops that be straight from something. So you from. And the reason why I took the oath to get on. Because I got tired of people complaining about the cops. I wanted to be the change. Be the change. So, That's if you, good. so if, if you complain about the, the criminal justice system, be the lawyer. Be mm -hmm. the DA. So pretty much like I said, I can't change the world, but I can change within, within my reach. So I took the job just for the change. I wanted to be the change. Right. Start with me. And that's why I took it. Respect to you. Believe it or that not. That is profound. Respect to you. Believe it or not. Like I said, it is a lot of stand-up guys, too. It's just the bad apples get magnified. Yeah. That is profound. And interestingly enough, you said something, David, earlier in segment, uh, part one of this segment, where when I mentioned black-on-black -black crime, and it's actually something that I've been saying, um, and, and shockingly, I have gotten a lot of slack for saying it, and that is that I'm a little disappointed in us huh. because... And, and I'm saying this from a different dynamics, right? I'm saying this as a black woman. I'm saying this as a mother. And I'm saying this as, as a minister, as an evangelist. I'm a little disappointed in us because all of my life, you know, what I, I see this cycle of when we see these things being magnified, right? Because that was one of the things that you said. And you just said the same thing in a, in a, it's pertaining to another area. And that is that, is black-on-black -black crime really more than any 
other crime or is it just being put in the forefront more as a distraction because you know um it's not the only crime you know and and so i've been disappointed in us as black people and to be more specific i've been disappointed in the church because I keep seeing a cycle of we see the issue, we know why the issue is, but we are we have become okay with just saying, oh, but that's just the way it is. That's just what happens. They do that because. So it makes it hard for me to hear certain people even offer solution. When at the end of the day, I pose the question, okay, well, so what have you done? When is the last time you put yourself in the same space as these people that are deemed as the problem? You understand what I'm saying? And I think that's where some of that survival of the fittest mindset comes in. <coughs> Excuse me, the, the crab in the bucket mentality. You know what I mean? Um... Because quite honestly, I don't think, I just don't feel like we are doing enough. We being those of us who know better, those of us who can, those of us, you it doesn't even have to be about stuff. You might not have a, as the old folks say, a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. But if you have information that you can offer that will challenge somebody's mindset, challenge somebody's thought, and I think part of the strategic part of the strategic weapon against us from the door has been if I can keep enough chaos amongst you all, then you'll never hear each other. Right? So at what point do we take the responsibility to say I don't, I don't want to just sit back and be aware anymore. Like, I want to offer something that can contribute to change, even if it's to one person. Right. At what point do we, when, when do we get to that point? That's what I was going to say for a second. When he's like, uh, how the force is like, certain areas is cooked up. And you know you got some solid people, and you got some other type that's not solid. So just like we were saying before, like lead by example, like we got to show a younger generation. If you know somebody, you know, there's always somebody that's willing to listen that's different. So as being solid, would you grab one that want to listen? Absolutely. And carry them and show them, and then they might take it back to their area, to their group, and then it triples, it triples down the fact that Because everybody not going to listen. But there's some people that will listen. So you might just got to find that one and everybody that's solid, take a chance finding one that might listen, because everybody's attracted to somebody, you understand? For different reasons. So knowledge of what you carry yourself, you know, all types of things. And you might can get one of them, and you get in that person here, and then it trickles down, and, and that person goes back to their name, so we who they deal with. Devin, what hurts you? Give 
had to offer. So I feel like it's not gonna be accepted. You know what I mean? Like, just being honest, me personally, like, I'm a lover. I love people. I love helping people. I love people with special needs. Like, yeah. you know, I love slow, whatever you want to call it. Like, yeah, I love, I get true. a glow. I get a, like chills when I see them type of people. But I be in the jungle with gorillas and I can't tell my folks when I see a kid with Down syndrome. It's not that I can't, but it, like you said, what hurt, it hurts that, that it feels like I can't. Because I'm not scared to be me. You know what I'm saying? But it took a long time for me to get to that point of not being able to be. Like, yo, I used to hide the fact that I like to sing. When I would be, if I felt like I was in a certain environment or I felt like people knowing I like to sing would show weakness, I would, I would hide it. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't until I started being open about it that I met genuine people right. who was like, yo, you can sing, that's lit. When I need a shorty and I want to press, I'm going to call you. Like, nigga, like whatever. But it didn't feel like corny. Right. And that's why I say it's, it's a lot. It's, it's start internally. Like, yeah, as much as you want to change the world, it's a certain level of self-confidence you have to have to be able to deal with the scrutiny that's going to come with you being you. Because when I, when I a transition, I mean, I'm still transitioning, but even in tra- my transition now, I tell certain guys, like, they like, hey, dad, what's up? What you been up to? I mean, I'm working. They laugh, like, working? Like, a nine to five? Yeah. It's like some people, because they want to keep you stuck. And I had to, you know, come to a point of realizing, like, part of the reason that we experience so much rejection and so much disappointment and fake love is because we don't allow each other to be genuine. Right. Like, I guess for me, I just want, like you said, to answer your question and keep it on topic, it just hurts to feel like you had to censor who you are to be accepted by society when society is supposed to be about being free to be you. But society says that but does the total opposite. Yeah. Like, it's so much about what people see as opposed to, you know, what it is. Somebody can see me and see tattoos or, for example, my stepson, 18 years old, right? One of his friends says, we was at the party. Um, I was sharing on, you know, the kids' party. One of his friends was like, um, Dad, you gotta be track right again. And for the older audience, Track with somebody refers to as someone who sells drugs, right? And I was offended. Um, I was offended because that's not who I am, you know? And I was also disappointed because, like Hassan was saying, when when his friends see designer clothes or this or that, they automatically associated with this. And it's wow. like, I've worked hard. 12, 13, 14, 15 hours a day. And even further than that, why I say it, it starts with self, 
is because I'm to a point now where I'm not happy because I realized that everything that I thought I found happiness in ain't it. I used to I used to be happy if I was feeling down and I went to the mall and spent X hundred X amount of dollars on sneakers or whatever, I thought I was happy. But now it's like after doing that over so much time, I got a closet full of designer stuff and then none of it means nothing. And it's because of the fact that I allowed so much time to go by thinking that, like he said, we are we people that follow the trend. And a lot of the people, a lot of the reason that people are dealing with the identity crisis they're dealing with is because they never allot the time to find out who they are. Because they spend all their time keeping up. Mm. They spend all their time fitting in. And I spent a lot of my time doing the same thing. That's where Ugly One derived from. It really derived from me realizing that I wasn't loving myself the way I thought I was. And the things that I thought mattered didn't. Because when it was gone, so was my happiness. And that's not, happiness is not circumstantial. Or it shouldn't be. Um, I believe one time I was watching a vlog, Will Smith and Jada was speaking on how one day he had a conversation, as messy as the situation may be, he brought up something real. He said that they had, a, they arguments would constantly be about, you're not making me happy and I'm not making you happy. But then the realization had to be, I can't make you happy because you're not happy with yourself. And, the, and all my efforts are in vain because everything I'm doing, I'm doing with the genuine purpose of making you happy. But where your happiness lies is not in anything that I'm doing. So when I'm going crossing these eyes and, and crossing these C's and dotting these eyes, it essentially means nothing because it's a bunch of, you know, empty space. And so, like I said, it, 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 I just will hope that we can get to the point of loving ourselves first so that we can feel comfortable being the standard or being the difference. Like for a long time, I wore, you know, and this is sharing my personal story, but this is what I do this purposely because I feel like men need to start getting comfortable with being able to be honest and be transparent, right? So right now I'm sitting here at the table without a hat on, right? For years I slept with a hat on. Like went to bed at night with a hat on. It wasn't, and people in the streets always saw me with a different hat. So it was always like, yo, your hat game is crazy. You got every fitted in the world. Nobody knew that it was my insecurities about the shape of my head that why I had so many hats. Wow. I didn't have hats because I love hats that much. At the time, I was spending my last $28 on the, on the fit. But if I thought it would conceal my scars wow. and my hurt, I was cool with that. Wow. Had the people that I hurt and did stuff to in the streets wasn't because I wanted to. Half the time, having the heart I had, I felt bad. But I concealed it because it's not taught that it's okay to be like that. To be, we, we, we confuse with being soft and being sweet is. And, I, and it took for a girl to break that down to me. She said, every girl wants a guy that's sweet. No girl wants a guy that's soft. The sweet part is letting your girl know she's beautiful, giving her the compliments, the flowers for no reason. 
we don't feel comfortable with those things or we lack in those things because we associate those things with being soft or being weak. But when we take the time to just stay, come outside the box, outside of the box that society wants us to think in, and just become, start to find out who you are, experiment in life and find out who you are and become true to yourself, you'll be able to be true to somebody else. I want to ask David and Hassan what hurts them, but I want to say this first. One of the things that um, when I go out and I speak to uh, women at different conferences, um, I have been accused of uh, being a woman basher, which I find hilarious seeing how I am one, you know. Um, but just... I always say that my son is and was very instrumental in, he was the person who God really began to teach me um, what it meant to be loved unconditionally. And so I had this little person who, and I tell the story sometime how when he was all of about three and I was in like one of the darkest moments in my life and this little brown boy picked it up about me and like I literally had came home and in my mind it was like I do not I don't want to die but I don't want to, like, I don't know how to keep living. I don't want to live. And this little boy came over to me and said, come on, mom. Come on. And I said, I call him mister. I said, mister, come where? He turned around and looked at me. He said, I don't know. Just keep coming. So as a mother... I have, it started as being a mother, but what it did was it gave me a love for men, and in particular, the black man, because what I saw and always take my mind back to, it pains me to see how you all on purpose was born to lead, but how on a day-to-day -day basis, you have to push and fight sometimes each other to do what is just innate in you to do. That has got to be frustrating. So I always tell women, and even young women, when they come want to talk to me about relationships and things like that, um, one of the best things that I feel like greatest gifts uh, you can ever give a man who you say you love is to let that man be who he is. Because, and not according to what you want him to be, but according to who he is. 
And the reason I say that is because I feel that one of the things you guys are constantly challenged with is the weight of expectation. And oftentimes, most of the time, it's unrealistic expectations, right? So we say things like, I want a man to love me for me. I want a man to, that's going to take care of me emotionally. And, and But how can we put that demand on you all when we are not willing to nurture you? See, because a woman really, and I share this, you know, the woman was born with the influential anointing, right? That's her gift, influence. The man, the king, was born and created with the authoritative anointing. That authority is your gift. It is your God-given, on-purpose gift. And it pains, excuse me, it pains me to watch the world put demands and expectations on your gift, but don't want you to really come into full fruition of your gift. Am I making sense? So, one of the things that um, I purpose to do, even in my own life, I didn't get married until I was 48 years old. Um, and as and I say this with all love, because everybody knows I love I love me some Raphael. I love my husband. But the thing that I feel like is one of the greatest contributions that as a woman I can offer to him is not to try to change who he is, but to just accept him for who he is. And find my moments and my places that it is intended for me to, because of the influence that a woman has, it is our, our when, when God created Eve out of Adam, it was literally to help usher Adam into his purpose and who he was intended to be. So I watch a lot of hurt when I when I see you all right you all being men in general and black men um, and it is painful it's painful to watch the weight thrown on you the demand for you to carry it but then the constant nipping at your ankles right do y'all feel like that sometimes? Tell me if I'm perceiving it wrong, because I keep, I speak up about it, because I keep telling women, if you really want a real man, then that means you're going to have to remove these unrealistic expectations. <laughs> and I think that's from all, all angles, you know, yeah. as far as women, um, you figure your brothers, you know, people that you're supposed to be able to look to and find strength in, end up, you know, crossing you. Cause like that, so mm. like we don't want to see you get further. You know that mentality yeah. that we had. But then of course, you know it's the racial thing. So it's like yeah. as black men, we looking at it from all angles. Like women are being told 
Like literally, our women are being told that we aren't men. Don't respect us. Our men are being told to be feminine. It's being taught, go ahead, be feminine. It's okay because if you remove him, what Pastor Troy call it? The, the seed, the, the one who holds the seed, yeah. the seed holder. Yeah. Once you once you take him out of any culture, you take the male out. And that's the sad part, and that's the part that, that that's what hurts me. It's crazy, like you start talking about it because it goes. That's what hurts, you know what I mean. And the other part that hurts me personally is purpose. Like I struggle, and like I must be transparent. We talked about transparency, bro. My struggle is literally every day. Lord, am I letting you down? Mm. Like I feel like. You have something for me, but I don't feel like I fit in. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like I'm different, and I feel like I'm a misfit. And it's like, whenever I take them steps to go towards my purpose, I feel like I'm not, I get not 